0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law And the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord? Saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord Lord
1: God, before us. God beside us, God behind us, God above us, be also now between us a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, a special thank you for y'all allowing me to be here and for Father Randy asking me. He is out of town today, so we wish them safe travels and journey back home. What time is it? You're unlike the 8 o'clock, sir. I asked what time it was, like half the congregation looked down at their watch. What time is it? We all have a concern with time, particularly at a time like this. Because this is your permission to actually look at your watch and say, well, he started at 1047, right? That's what time it is. So that you can then say when it's over, I can't believe he preached for 20 minutes. because you don't want to just, you know, visibly look at your watch. We're all concerned with time, and not just at a place like this, but in our entire lives. My wife, who is one of my uh, greatest um, cheerleaders, but also she will honestly critique me, I said after one of my sermons, well, how, how was it? She said, it wasn't long, it just seemed long. <laughs> So so sometimes you can just fall in a time warp and it just feels like it takes forever, right? And I think about this a lot. I mean, we're all in a hurry, right? Places to go, people to see, the greatest new app to tell us how we can get things done and the time that we can allocate and all of those things. Um, Always judging ourselves for those things. But then I think about those who die too young. And the time that they had left. All of that time that, that they're too young to die, right? Um, to do that. And I think of my childhood memories um, when I was a kid, and it felt like it would last forever. I used to go and see my grandmother. Great grandmother in St. Joseph, Missouri. And I would stay for like a week or two. It felt like two and a half years because they lived out in the country. There weren't a lot of people around. There were no children around. So every day I would get up and I would go and play on the tire swing across from their house all day long. And so one day I walked in after what felt like a month and a half and I said, Grandma, Why does it feel like this is, like I've been here forever? This is just, time is not passing by. I'm not thinking as a kid, you know, that that was probably an insult to her. And she said to me something I will never forget. She said, wait till you're 18 and it will go by in an instant. And how true is that? I saw somebody at a football game on Friday night and we were talking about their son who's now a freshman in college. I mean, I remember speaking like an old man when he was three years old. And you know, when they're three years old, it feels like it's never gonna end. You know, the the tantrum in the middle of the Walmart uh, store feels like it lasts a day and a half and it's 30 seconds. Um, But time flies by. And when we look at our time, And the time that we have left, particularly when you get to be my age, I'm thinking, well, I didn't do that, and I didn't do this, and I didn't, well, how much time do I have left? Theoretically, right? Um, And we can begin to turn in on ourselves. And one of two things happens. We either become totally self-absorbed, where everything we do is about us, about our legacy, about what we're accomplishing, about this, about that. Places to go, people to see, get out of my way, i got to get this done by the time I'm 40, or just done before I'm 50, or whatever it is. So you've got that going on. And we all know people like that, who time is all about them, all about what they are accomplishing, all about their legacy, right? And they're insufferable. And nobody wants to be with someone like that. No one wants to work for somebody like that. It is where they are. But you can also turn in on yourself where you can become paralyzed because of what you have or haven't accomplished in the time that you may or may not have left. And you think, what use is it? Right? I was at the gym the other day, and this makes me sound like I'm training for something major. Trust me, I'm not. Um, I have a trainer. And that is a very loose word because trainer, you think, is training you to, you know, do all these things. I really call him more of my helper to tell me when my breaks are over and to remind me that I can't eat the little powdered donuts while I lift weights. So that's what he does. So we were talking the other day and he said, well, how old are you? And I told him how old I am and he said, you know, you are closer to 100 than you are to your birth. And I said, I don't think this relationship is going to (laughs) work. This... This ageism and the shame that you're shaming me. Um, So we can get to that point where we're just paralyzed. What use is it? I'm this age. I I can't do anything else. I'm just going to do nothing now, right? And we've all been there, or maybe we're there again. I mean, I will tell you this. I think that we are in our society in a crisis, particularly in places of leadership. And this isn't just, you know, when you say, oh, he's talking about politics, It's politics, but it's everywhere. It's business, it's the church, it's everywhere you go. There is a plague upon us of people that are only thinking of themselves. And I have been there myself at different times in my life. People that make decisions based on only now, only on my poll numbers. How will this look? How will this play in Peoria? will this do to our stock price? How will we? And when you begin to do that, you don't make wise decisions. And you're certainly not thinking about tomorrow and the future and future generations. You're thinking about you and your legacy. But at some point, even when we're like that, we all get to the point where we say, I must not be the point. I must not be the focus of all of this. So if I'm not the focus, what is? What is the point? What is the focus? And I think that's why a lot of us are here today. This would be a great sermon if I just went to the gospel and said, this is it, right? It's the law and everything in one little statement. We say it every Sunday. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself but I'm not going to do that. Um, We're not going to talk about the gospel today. Although I do believe that in loving your neighbor and in loving yourself and in loving God, first and foremost, we are making decisions about time. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk about Moses. We talked a little bit about Moses when I preached on the burning bush several weeks ago. Moses, we think of him as being this young, virile guy when he gets God's call. Well, he was 40 years old when the Egyptian struck and killed um, the Israelite, or or didn't strike and kill the Israelite, but was mean to the Israelite, disrespected him, and Moses struck and killed the Egyptian. He was 40. He escaped to Midian, right? And if you think St. Joseph, Missouri, there's nothing to do there, there's nothing to do in Midian. (laughs) It is a desert, It is a rocky place where nothing really grows. So he is 40 when he gets there, and he spends 40 years in Midian. Day in, day out, right? I get up, I eat, I work, I sleep. Rinse and repeat, right? That's life. How many of you feel that way on any given week? He was 80 years old when God came to him, when he saw the burning bush, when he turned to the Word of God and when he went to see Pharaoh. Eighty years old and probably at a point where he thought, what good am I? What use is it? He even said that to God. I can't speak. I'm old. I'm all of these things. You can't use me. But God used him anyway. And then, not done yet, He wanders in the wilderness for 40 years. Just circles, right? Look at a map. They just did like this everywhere. No rhyme or reason to it. 40 more years. Rinse and repeat. And then, when they're finally on the cusp of the promised land, the land of Canaan, he is standing on Mount Nebo. And when you're on Mount Nebo, you can see the Dead Sea over here. And if you really look hard, you can almost see Sea of Galilee over here. It's everything right there. And God said, you see that? You see that? You've led your people here. But guess what? You don't get to lead them into the promised land. You're going to die on this mountain. And you're going to die on this mountain because you struck the rock, you didn't have faith in me, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what Moses did? He led them anyway. Not into the promised land, but he didn't stop being their leader until he died. If God had said that to me on Mount Nebo, you know what I probably would have said? What? My whole life, I have sacrificed for you and for this? I've had to listen to these ungrateful people natter at me day in and day out for 40 years? This is my life's work, my achievement, and you're not going to let me lead them in with like a banner and music and all of this into the promised land? Are you kidding me? I'm just going to sit right here. I quit. I'm done. You can't treat me like that. I sat on the floor just like the kid sits in the floor of Walmart talking about how it's horrible and not fair. and Because I would have been thinking about me and my legacy and my work and how I look But Moses wasn't like that. Moses thought about the long term, the eternal life of God, everything here. What I am doing is not just about me, it's about my children and my grandchildren and the society to come. So I will not stop whether I get glory or not. I will continue to go because I am a part of your plan. It's the larger context. So now I want to look at our psalm today, and you can look in your bulletins, but what I really want you to do is take your prayer book, it's this red book here, if you haven't opened one, which is okay, because we have it all in the bulletin, you don't have to. But the entire Psalter is in the prayer book, the entire Psalter, all the Psalms. So turn to page 718, and I'm always curious with the people who do our lectionary, the course of readings, why they leave verses out. And sometimes I'm thinking they don't think we can handle it. You know, they're spoon-feeding us, so they don't, they don't want us to hear these things. There's one verse they left out, and it's the one verse I want to talk about. So I'm going to start at verse 10. And let me say this. I heard a sermon on this psalm years and years ago, and I'm telling you, it changed my life. It changed the way I look at time, and it has informed everything I think and say about this psalm. So, Let's start at verse 10. The span of our life is 70 years, perhaps in strength even 80. The psalmist clearly hadn't heard that 70 is the new 50, right? Ha ha ha. Um, But also let me say this. Moses wrote this psalm. Um, they say. You know, we credit the Psalms to David, but this is one Moses wrote. So this is Moses talking. The span of our life is 70 years, perhaps in strength even 80. Yet the sum of them is but labor and sorrow, for they pass away quickly and we are gone. Who regards the power of your wrath? Who rightly fears your indignation? And When he says this, the word for fear is not, oh, I'm frightened and I'm fearful. Fear is awe, the Hebrew word used here. So what he's saying is, How how can I not regard you as the God of all of eternity? How can I not be in awe of that? He's not talking about God as a mean God. So verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You turn us back to dust, says the psalm. No matter what you have accomplished, at the end you will return to dust. All of us will. Ozymandias, right? Time to God, a thousand years, is a day or like a watch. Now, a watch was three hours, four hours maybe, tops. That's why, have you ever wondered why the restaurant Third Watch is called Third Watch? It's because they serve breakfast. You know, that's the last watch of the day. So you can go get your breakfast. Your life is so brief that it is futile for us to try to create something meaningful on our own. We must be a part of something bigger. The grand story. Moses presented his whole life to God, and we are called on to do the same. So teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. And we all know what it is to number our days, I have a test on Wednesday. I have two days to study. I have a test tomorrow. I have one day to study. I have a test today. I have one hour to study, right? We've all been there. I'm getting engaged in 11 months. I'm getting engaged or I'm getting married in three months. And craziness ensues and everybody loses their minds, right? Two months to delivery. We all count our days. And if we don't make our decisions, the decisions that we make every day, not just in our personal lives, but in our lives at work, in our lives as leaders, in our lives as followers, in our lives in general, with time in mind, the limited time we have in the eternal life of God, we will make bad decisions. We will make decisions that are not wise. We will make selfish decisions. Because if I feel like I only have this much time left, and I only have this much to do to attain glory, I may not make the decisions that's the best for God's people, and for the children of God, and for my grandchildren, and for my great-grandchildren, and for the community at large. But if we make them, in light of our being a part of God's eternal plan, we will make better decisions about our life and our time because it's not all about us, right? We do. We think it is a lot of times. God, show me your will for my life. How many of you have said that? I have. Thinking it's all about me. What can I do? Lord, make me strong. Lord, help me to accomplish this. Lord, what about my legacy? It's not about us. And if you think your life is about you, that this life on this earth is all about you, you've missed the point. And I know preachers don't like standing up here and telling you what you have and haven't missed, but I will tell you this, if you're making all of your decisions in this life about you and about your glory and about your success and about what you're doing, You have missed the point. If we are not thinking about the eternal life of God from generation to generation, that what we do contributes to what will be, and we may not even see it, but that's why we keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's why we keep coming here and worshiping and praising so that God will show you not what's good for your life, but what's good for the life of God and how you can be a part of that. I had a gentleman once who was uh, getting ready to retire, and he was not really retirement age. He was, you know, mid-60s, 67, 68, but still young, had lots and lots and lots of time left. And he was struggling with retirement because his wife said to him, what on earth are you going to do all day long? Are you going to sit here and just natter at me all day? Are you just going to wander around the house? Uh, We can't have that. And what about you? You've got so much to offer, so much to give. She said, what are you going to do, play golf all day? I looked at him and I said, what if you did? What if you did? What if you played golf all day long, every day? Every single day for the rest of your life, you play golf. What if? And he sat there. I said, and what if during those golf games, you encounter one individual who was struggling, right? And most of us who struggle, struggle on the inside. Nobody sees it. Nobody knows. And what if you don't even know it, but that your presence with him day in and day out as a loving friend transformed his life and changed it? And not only transformed his life, but transformed the lives of his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren and so on and so on. Would that be a waste of time? Oh, you wouldn't be the point. You wouldn't get the glory. You wouldn't even know what would have happened. But you would be participating in the mighty life of God. God has given us life and time for a purpose. There is a grander story, and I hate to break it to me and to you, but we're not the point. And we will make decisions, and we will bring glory to God in everything that we do. So I ask you today, and I ask me today, what time is it? Well, What are we doing with our time? So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Amen.